Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Prison Officers Association, the UK's largest professional union for prison, correctional and secure psychiatric workers with over 30,000 members. In this episode, we discuss the help that is available from the union's legal partners, Thompson's, when it comes to injuries sustained by POA members at work, from assault by an inmate to slips and trips on poor quality flooring. We'll also hear about the support that is available to POA members and their families in respect of injuries and road traffic accidents away from work and the key role played by POA local officials. Joining us in this episode is Sarah Gardner from Thompson's, who leads on this aspect of their work. We started off talking about the vital components of a winnable personal injury case. What are the sort of things that could lead to a PI or personal injury claim that POA members may encounter during their work? In terms of what may give rise to a personal injury claim, firstly, of course, the member needs to have suffered an injury. And the main thing is that the fact that they have suffered an injury is not enough to be successful in a personal injury claim. You need to be able to prove that there has been some negligence or breach of a duty by a known defendant who is able to meet any any judgment we obtain against them, and also that that injury has stemmed from that negligence or breach of legal duty. Now, focusing more on accidents of work, employers do have a duty to keep their employees reasonably safe. Employers must also provide a safe place of work and safe systems of work. Along with that, employers must also provide competent fellow employees, but it is important to note that any employee must also take reasonable care for his or her own safety. The majority of cases that we see that lead to personal injury claims are where inmates assault officers. We also see cases where officers slip on defective flooring, any any type of injury at work we just have a look at everything and and obviously take that on board and and see what's happened. But I I would say the majority of cases that we see that lead to personal injury claims at the workplace are the assault cases from inmates. Right. So I suppose the rule of thumb then is if a POA member feels they may have a claim, they should actually seek the advice of the union and through the union yourselves, and, and you'll be able to tell them whether or not there's anything that can be taken forward. Yeah, 100%. So the best way for the members to get the advice with personal injury claims is there is a a website that can be used to lodge a claim or there is a phone number and to be honest with you the the phone number is is best and that phone number is 0800 587 7515 and that is the best way if you've had an accident at work to get your matter referred through. Okay and the phone number again in case people were scrabbling for a pen and paper? 0800-587-7515. And that is just for personal injury claims. Right. And if, if you're not a POA member and you try and use that number, don't bother because everyone who phones up has their membership status checked before the matter goes any further. So, OK. So in terms of, in terms of seeking advice and, and, and what, do, what do the members then need to do? They, they, they've made the phone call. They've got in touch with they've got in touch with with, with the help what is essentially a help desk function and they said yeah we think you've got a claim you you need we need we need more information from you what happens then so once once the the call's been made what happens is the the new instructions are taken by a legal inquiry team which is based in the Thompson Sheffield office 
And what they do is for accidents at work, they carry out a membership validation and then the POA acknowledge the claim by email and they provide a reference number as well. And then the legal inquiry team in Sheffield, once they've got the basic information, they decide whether the file is allocated to a, a local branch to the member or whether it needs to go to a national unit. And the determination of that, for example, is that claims that go to branch are any that are more valuable, which are classed as multi-track. So any claims that are worth over £25,000, they will get allocated to the member's local Thompson's office. And also any more specialist claims, such as disease cases, asbestos cases, they will also get allocated to, to the member's local branch. Now, if the cases are worth less than £25,000 and that the accident cases, they're classed as fast track cases. And what happens is all of those cases go into a national unit. And when they start, that is also at the Sheffield office. And this is called the National Fast Track Centre. And what they do there is they take all the further instructions and then they start the claims process on a personal injury portal which involves completing something called a claims notification form. So they will go through with the member what's happened. They will go through the content of this claims notification form and make sure the members are happy with it. And then they submit, submit this on this electronic portal system. The defendants have, have so long to respond on this portal system. And it will depend what type of accident it is. So, for example, if it's a road traffic accident the defendants must respond on this portal system. Their insurers must respond within 15 days. If it's an accident at work, it needs to be, they need to respond within 30 days. Or if it's any other accident, what we call, say, a public liability accident, so an accident outside of work, on the street or in a shop, they have 40 days in which to respond. So it's, it's very tight timeframes on this electronic personal injury portal system. That all sounds very busy and, and potentially a bit confusing, but that happens at your end as well, doesn't it? That happens at the solicitors, the legal end. The member will be guided through that by either their local representative or someone from Thompson's or possibly both. Yes, it will be it will be the allocated case handler from Thompson's. So they will talk them through what they are putting in the claim form and then they will talk them through the process and that will be confirmed into right in writing with them as to the timeframes and so on. And as I say, that was stage one. So the claims made, if a response is received within those timeframes, it then moves on to stage two of the portal system. And stage two would be if the defendant admits liability within that stage one. And if they do, then we would go ahead and get a medical, value the claim and try and settle it. If, if it doesn't settle and the defendants don't offer enough, then it goes to the final stage of this electronic portal system, which is stage three, which is a court hearing, which is either on paper, um, well, they're normally on paper and they're all remote for now and it may be that they're like that in the future as well. So that that is when personal injury cases go through this three-stage process of the personal injury portal. Now, if at stage one, we don't get a response from the defendants within those very strict timeframes, which to be honest with you is often the case, 
because if, if the defendants within those time frames either don't admit liability or just don't respond, then it, it times out or they may pull it themselves from the portal because they can't respond so they need to investigate more. What happens then is we've got a very slick process in place in that it, the case then gets transferred to another national office of Thompson's which is where I work and the team that I have and that's the National Litigation Unit which is based in Stoke. So we are very much on the defendants that if they do not respond within these very specific time frames, it, it drops out of this portal system and comes straight to us at the National Litigation Unit in Stoke and, and into my team. So in my team, we handle all the POA cases of fast track value for the whole country um, in my team in, in the unit in Stoke. And then, I mean, all of this is explained to the member from the beginning. And then when it sort of drops out and comes to our, our unit in Stoke, it's explained to them again, verbally and in writing, the, the process. And when it when it comes to us, it's it's our decision then as to how best we need to handle it, given we haven't had the response from the defendants. So what we would do in our unit is we would look at the case as soon as it comes in it gets allocated to one of the more junior lawyers and then they will either try and settle the case if they can and try and secure an admission of liability or they will make sure that we have got all the documents that we need to make a decision as to the prospects and then so if it can't be settled and if we think it's got reasonable prospects the junior lawyer then gets the case ready for litigation and then it moves on to a, a more senior lawyer to follow that process. So with, with the fast track work and with all the work below £25,000, it, it is very structured within Thompson's because it is obviously very, very fast paced with the timeframes and so on. So it's very strict from the minute that the members make the phone call to refer, you know, the claim in and, and explain the accident they've had it is extremely structured as to how the Sheffield office deal with it the National Fast Track Centre and then how it comes to us at the National Litigation Unit and it, it's all very heavily diarised and you know we've got junior case handlers then we've got the more senior litigators so that when the case is ready to be litigated it gets transferred to a more senior person to, to follow the case through from that point. And how long might all this take from a member making the first phone call? Liability is denied, so it gets so it goes into the litigation stream. How long before between them making the phone call and actually making us actually appearing at a, a real or a virtual court? We we do say an estimate of, of fr from the initial claim coming in to the point of having to start the court proceedings it can be one to two years and then it can be another one to two years roughly to get to trial but that's that's a very rough estimation and it can be a lot quicker for example with straightforward car accidents or it can be longer with more complex cases such as disease cases and and more serious injuries so we're, we're at this stage now where we're where it's been passed to a senior uh, a senior litigator Every, every other avenue has been has been exhausted. What happens then? So at the point that a case gets passed to a senior litigator, there's a lot of checks that have to have been done to get the case into that position. 
so that the more junior lawyer will have done all the investigations, they will have got all the documents from the defendants. And it, it's worth bearing in mind that if the defendants don't give us the documents we believe exist or we need, we can make an application at court to get them. So there is a lot of work in that period before it goes to a senior lawyer. I mean, once it does drop out of the personal injury portal and come to us, the defendants, I mean, going back to timeframes, they do have three months in which to respond. So there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes at this point to get it ready to pass on to a litigator. So once we've decided it's a reasonable case and the junior lawyer has got the medical evidence, drafted the schedule of financial losses, and they will also have secured on denied cases a document drafted by a barrister that's necessary to start the court process. The litigators take over the case. They make contact with a member to explain that they are now the case handler. And what will happen then is they issue the court papers at court, which is a lot of the time for certain cases is, is done electronically, depending on the, on the defendant. Um, or in paper, which is we have to do against the Ministry of Justice. And then once we get those sealed papers back from the court and we've got the court stamp on them, the litigators will then serve the court proceedings on the defendants. And what happens then is they then have a set time frame in which to file a document called a defence, which in effect is their formal response to the claim. And they have 28 days to file that defence. It can be extended further with agreement. And once, once we've received the defence in, then the sort of next stage then is we seek to set the court directions, which the end result being the trial. And the court directions will include exchange of documents relevant to the case. It will include exchange of witness statements as well, which is simultaneous so that we see what evidence they've got and we can compare it with our own evidence. And throughout this whole process, the members are kept up to date, advised of all the documents, and the case is constantly reviewed by not only the senior lawyer, but they will also have a senior supervisor looking at the case as well. It's then reviewed again for prospects just before the trial. We also look at making any offers for settlement at appropriate times, because we obviously don't just want to rush to trial, without trying to settle the case. And then if the case hasn't been capable of settlement, the end result is is a hearing at court in, in person. Uh, they are more in person now, obviously with COVID, a lot of it turned to remote hearings, but we are seeing more now in person. And with these types of cases of this value, the hearing normally lasts for a day. And at the hearing, the member will be represented by a barrister. Right. Okay. I suppose in this process, the involvement of POA local reps can be very important, can't it? Hugely, hugely, especially with the civil assault cases, because they are extremely difficult cases to run because they're not, you know, a straightforward accident. I mean, I've got some case examples where union rep help has been crucial to us succeeding in a Mm. case. I've got a couple of examples of cases that have actually settled after we've had to commence court proceedings. So one case example is where a prison officer was performing a routine check on a high-risk prisoner. The prisoner dropped open the hatch to the door from inside, which obviously they shouldn't be able to do. Um, And then as a result, 
actually spat on our client's face and our client suffered psychological injuries as a result of this. Now, the prison service denied liability initially, saying that there was no foreseeability, couldn't have seen this was going to happen, there was nothing wrong with the hatches, there'd been no repairs logged. We secured evidence from the branch chair of that prison to show that a repair order had been put in advance for those hatches and it was repaired after the accident. So with that evidence, which was absolutely crucial from the branch chair, because we've got the defendant saying, no, there was nothing wrong with these hatches. So to get this conflicting evidence is, you can imagine, great for the case. So we were able to just get on with the court proceedings on that one. And it actually settled, that one did, just before the trial. So that was all key to the evidence from the branch chair. Another example, again, to the starting of court proceedings is where a prison officer was escorting a prisoner to a cell when they were attacked and they were escorting an inmate with a violent history and our allegations were that that inmate had not been properly assessed and therefore the prison officer should not be escorting them on their own. So we we, we carried on with that case. We, we went through the court process, we issued court proceedings, we served them, again with the help of other POA members and the branch chair, we were able to get history that supported that the inmate was violent and we were then able to have good strong evidence that a proper risk assessment wasn't done on them and so pre-commencement of court proceedings the prison service denied liability on that case but then as soon as we issued and served court proceedings they actually filed the defence which is their response to the claim completely changing their stance on liability and admitting it and then the case settled. Goodness I mean it's, it seems to me that that these cases can be pursued all the way through to to court and it's only when it's only when you get to that stage, there's a kind of almost people wake up and smell the coffee and suddenly realise they haven't got a defence and therefore they have to admit liability and come to an agreement with yourselves on behalf of the, the POA member. It's extraordinary. Unfortunately, that, that is the way it is. And as I say, the, the evidence from branch chairs, branch secretaries, any POA reps is absolutely crucial because we often come up against a prison service either saying that documents don't exist which we know they must do, or to try and say with inmates that there's been no violent history, yet then we can often get lots of witness evidence to say that there has been, which, which can be crucial to these cases, which are very difficult to pursue. I mean, it, it is worth saying that the majority of personal injury cases don't end up in trials. Mm -hmm. they, they do normally settle beforehand. And I think that does scare a lot of members, the thought of going to trial, when pursuing a personal injury claim, but the majority of them do not end up in a trial. Um, but we 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 push them and we act as aggressively as we can to obviously act as though we go into trial, which then should result hopefully in, in a settlement. And that that's why this unit is as it is in Stoke. It, you know, it's the litigation unit. That's what we do. And it's important to say that when there is a settlement in favour of the member. The member the member gets hundred percent of the award. There's no there's nothing raked off the top or or discounted from the top. What the court judges is is appropriate goes to the member. 
So any any offers that are made on a case, we obviously look at and review with the member first. Check, and, you know, if we believe it's a reasonable amount, we will check that they are happy to accept it as well. But yeah, that, that is a massive point and a, a massive positive as well to POA membership in that they, like you say, they do get 100% of their compensation. Whereas if they went to, you know, a local high street firm or didn't use their union membership, it's most likely that they would have a deduction and sometimes it's up to 25% of their damages, which is a, a huge, a huge amount on, you know, with, with some injuries. So it's a, you know, it, it's huge that it's completely 100% that they would receive that, that amount, whether it's agreed before we go to trial or whether it's an amount awarded by a judge. Right. And, and if, we've been talking a lot about personal injuries resulting from accidents at work, but members are entitled to assistance in other cases as well. I'm thinking particularly of road traffic accidents, RTAs, and of, and of accidents that take place outside of the workplace. Is that right? Yeah, so the, the membership will cover any personal injury claim for that member. I mean, be- before I go on to that, it's worth saying it will also cover their family members of, as well if they've been injured provided it, it is in an accident at work because one would be expected to obviously be in a union um, for any injury at work. But going back to the members, it, it, it's any personal injury claim at all, whether it's in the workplace or outside of the workplace. So like you say, that would involve road traffic accidents. It would involve accidents in the street. So where we would pursue a claim against the council, for example, potholes and so on. It would also involve any accidents um, in shops or anywhere else that, that, you know, weren't controlled by the council. And we see various different cases of slips and trips in supermarkets, just general accidents in the street and so on. Right. Well, that's a very valuable uh, member benefit, isn't it? And and that gives access to services that non-members simply can't, can't get hold of. And listeners, just to be absolutely clear... It's Sarah's unit that deals with all of these issues apart from road traffic accidents, which are processed elsewhere in the Thompson's organisation. But as far as the POA members are concerned, the way in which you access the legal support doesn't change. Um, there's also there's also the criminal injuries compensation scheme, isn't there, which has recent, fairly recently been changed. Now, I, I know that you have two years to submit a claim under this scheme, uh, but it's three for civil proceedings for a personal injury claim, isn't it? But what's the particular importance of the CICA scheme? So the, the Criminal Injuries Compensation Scheme is, is basically a government scheme that pays out to victims of, of violent crime. And in terms of the civil assault cases, it is still the best way to try and get some compensation because they are so difficult to pursue from a, a civil side of things unless you've got the evidence that I've I've obviously already touched upon. So the criminal injuries compensation scheme, this is another massive benefit of POA membership that for for assaults at work, the POA will liaise with the member and they will submit the application for, for a criminal injuries compensation claim. And it only then comes to Thompson's if, for example, the result, the, the members and the POA are not happy with the result and we need to look at reviewing it or appealing it. So, but the criminal injuries compensation scheme, that has to be filed within two years of the incident and there's certain qualifying criteria such that it has to have been reported to the police and it has to 
the injury has to have gone on for a certain period. So the, the scheme did change. It was actually in 2012. And unfortunately, it is now less favourable in that unless you've got an injury that lasts more than 13 weeks, it's not likely to meet the minimum tariff. So it's unlikely to get any award for it. But the, the POA do work with their members on submitting that claim and, get, and getting that organised for them. In a nutshell, then, POA membership covers you for accidents at work, going to work, coming from work, away, away from work. Your family are covered as well. And all it takes to start the process is one phone call to the helpline. Exactly. 100%. Just one, just one phone call. And then, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to, you probably think I'm going to say this because I work for Thompson's. Um, and I have worked for Thompson's since I qualified in 2008. But as well, it's, they're not just getting the, the cover from a local high street firm. They're, they're getting the legal advice from the biggest personal injury firm in the country. We've been around. We we celebrated our one hundredth year anniversary last year. So we've they're getting access to, in my opinion, the best and the most specialist knowledge to be able to pursue these cases. Thompsons have dealt with lots of landmark cases as well. I mean, for example, I mean we've worked with this POA since two thousand and seven, and in twenty sixteen, we represented a POA member who was a catering manager. Uh, at HMP Swansea and that was a, a landmark case which helped establish that prisons are vicariously liable for prisoners negligently carrying out prison work and who injure staff so the act I'm just trying to get across the access that they get through their membership is the most experienced in that field and, and worth every penny of their subscriptions Sarah, many thanks to you for, for taking part in this podcast and, and uh, many thanks to you and your colleagues at the Litigation Unit in providing valuable services to POA members. And the message is clear. Workplace hazards come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But if you have an accident at work or you and your family have a road traffic accident or other incident away from the workplace, you as a POA member need the support of your union and the legal services it provides. This is a key part of the union service, not just to members, but to their families as well. Truly, the union is only as strong as its members, and the more members the union has, the louder and stronger the union's voice. So if you're listening to this and haven't signed up, speak to your local POA rep or head over to poauk.org.uk to find out how to join and all the information you need about the union, its legal services, and the rest of the work it does in supporting members. Thank you to Sarah for joining us on this episode. Thank you for listening. We hope you like what you've heard, and will join us for the next episode of the POA podcast. Thanks, and goodbye. (laughs) 